You're listening to the IT Career Energizer podcast, episode 15. Welcome to the IT Career Energizer podcast. For anyone who wants to build and grow a career in IT, develop and improve your strengths and skills, be inspired and motivated by the successes of others, manage your career progression, and achieve your IT career goals. And now, your host, Phil Burgess. Hi, Phil here, and welcome to the IT Career Energizer podcast, where I chat with inspiring IT professionals, consultants, and experts every week. To find out more about the podcast, visit itcareerenergizer.com. And now let's chat with today's featured guest, Kevin Henney. Kevin is a published author and editor of the book, 97 Things Every Programmer Should Know. He is also a presenter and consultant on our software development, as well as a keynote speaker. So Kevin, can I ask you to maybe expand on that brief bio? Uh, yeah, uh, I think there's uh, only a couple more things to add. One is that um, I, I, as I work for myself, that gives me quite a... Um, broad cross-sectional view of uh, what people are doing. I do bits of training, bits of consultancy and review work, so um, I guess it's the the reverse of where I started, which is you stay in one place for a while and the world moves around you. Uh, I move through the world, which is why I got inspired to do things like the 97 Things um, project uh, and also to contribute to a couple of open source projects to um, write a couple of other books, write uh, magazine articles uh, when there was an era when we actually had magazines, um, and then um, uh, various blogs. Uh, so, um, yeah, pretty much I think that, that's, that, that gets me. Can you share with us a unique career tip that the IT career energies audience probably should know but don't? Um, well, here's, here's a slightly odd way of looking at it. I'm going to say it's all useful. Um, you tend to think you tend to think that you need to be chasing the latest whatever or um, everything that is directly relevant to your work um, and if there is a framework that is in a language that is in that you need to pursue that and that is a critical utmost urgency and that's where you should devote all of your energy um, but after a while you discover that that's actually not really where the problem lies um, your um, you need to understand that it all connects together. What you're doing with software development is you're organizing information um, and uh, you are organizing knowledge, you're organizing uh, things in a very formal sense and it is getting a a deep sense of that that is most important. So if you find that you're doing something, perhaps you're in an area um, that you didn't really want to be in, there is always something you'll be able to take from it because it's good practice. You're learning a skill of understanding how to formalize things, how to phrase things, and how to see beyond the uh, the moment of the technology to something that's a bit deeper. Um, and I think that, uh, certainly from where I started, uh, I was frustrated with what I was uh, doing in a couple of jobs many years ago and then eventually realized that I had learned far more than I had given myself credit for at the time. Yes. Uh, but I only realized that after the fact. And that would have saved a lot of frustration if I'd understood that deeply. It's, it's interesting um, you talk about focusing on things that are changing before potentially they're ready to. Yeah. Is, is it more about innovation or maybe maybe more about being an early adopter? I think, the, I think all innovation and early adoption is um, 
is is premised is founded on a good solid core and i think that's the thing that people need to sort of develop is that that instinct that kind of um, sense if you like um, to be able to see that because i think sometimes people are just focused on what is the latest thing but they don't actually see that in some ways it's not new and if they realize that it would be a lot easier yes um, so it's the, it's the deeper thing i think that is um uh, we're not very, well it, we're not very good at picking up on that but also i think in software uh, software and it as a whole um although we have a history we're not very aware of it um so we seem to be um, surprised when people reinvent or rearticulate uh, principles and ideas that actually we, we kind of knew already. And uh, if we were aware of that, we'd have probably been further down the innovation track uh, than, uh, uh, than we might otherwise be. Yes. I think the one that springs to mind for me immediately is the, um, I suppose over the last few years, there's been a lot of focus on what everybody's referring to as DevOps. Yes. And, and to yes. me, that's something that has existed in different organizations for, for many years. Indeed, yes. And it is, it is to do with, in certain senses, fashions. What we're doing is we are bringing back together things that were separated uh, many years ago. And, the, you know, it's, there's been a, there was a high degree of role specialization in many organizations, particularly larger organizations. And that sort of propagated out to the rest of the industry that role specialization, the segregation, even by department was the most important way to do things. And we spent the last few years sort of blending these things back together and partly as a result of uh, you know the fact that there is a crossover skills it's of skills it's all software um but also because of the time um uh, the time spans have come down um, release cycles have dropped down and so on so if you keep everything compartmentalized you just cannot get the speed of delivery and the continuity that you're after so you have to tear these things down and you do that by having people who are in the same place with the same skills you know this uh, rather than separating out the skills uh, by department and by person yeah absolutely so can you tell us about your worst it career moment and potentially what you learned from that experience <laughs> right yes i uh, uh a long time ago in a galaxy far far away i <laughs> went for i went for a job and i was i was asked um I was asked to give a presentation, and uh, and uh, it was um, I gave it on a distributed object system. This was a long time before distributed objects became kind of fashionable. It was based on a master's degree thesis that I'd done, and so I gave a presentation. I mean, it was reasonably hardcore technical. I don't think it was it wasn't particularly commercial, not particularly relevant. But they did, they said that didn't matter. They just wanted something that demonstrated that I knew um, something about um, software development, um, and. So, yeah, it turns out they, they gave me the job, and um, pretty much within a week, I realized that I didn't want to be there, that this was, this was during a period of recession, so not a lot of options open to me, yeah, so I, I stuck around for a bit, but I realized this was not at all the place that I wanted to be, the culture was not at all what they had um, told me, their skills were definitely not what they told me, and eventually it turned out um, that... Uh, when when I asked further and asked around a few months later, I, I asked, it turns out they had no idea what the hell I was talking about. No idea what I was talking about in that interview. And so because um, rather than asking questions, um, rather than asking questions, what they assumed is, oh, it sounds rather good. Um, we don't understand it, so clearly he must know what he's talking about. Um, and, you know, sometimes you get lucky, but I met 
but sometimes you don't. And I met the guy that had also um, uh, got through on interview and had said an awful lot of things that were, I think a polite way of putting them is false. These days we'd probably use phrases <laughs> like alternative facts to yeah. describe the, what he had done. And he had talked about things that uh, not only did they not know anything about, uh, he didn't know about either. But it, you kind of had to call his bluff. And it was, it was, it was a real problem. It was, it was very much the sense of that, that uh, group was populated by people who didn't really want to be there because simply because they had impressed the interviewers, but not impressed in a good way, not impressed with the knowledge, but impressed with the, the interviewers and the fact that they knew something the interviewers didn't and the interviewers couldn't grasp what they didn't know. Um, so, yeah, I, I, so that was the wrong job. That was really one of those cases where I learnt a lot after that. It was, it was a case of listening far more carefully to their questions. And I think that, that gave me the, one of the uh, values that I now hold. Is it's not people's answers that matter um, uh, uh, most. It's the quality of their questions. Um, and that I've found when, you, when people start asking really good questions. And funnily enough, the next job I got, I did a, we had a similar conversation, though it wasn't about a presentation. And the guy, one of the guys who interviewed me clearly um, he didn't know every. He didn't fully understand the topic necessarily, but he knew how to ask questions about it. It's like, oh, you're yeah. interesting. You, you, you actually, you're trying to get knowledge. You're not just simply going, here's the thing I don't know, so he must be clever. Um, which, as I said, is not a very reliable way of getting uh, recruiting people um, based on your own ignorance. But actually, here you're actually trying to enter a conversation. It's about knowledge. It's about learning. It's about trying to figure out could we work together. And I was far more cautious, but it made me look more to the questions and the answers um, after that. Um, so I found that very useful in the long term. I don't think I felt it at the time. Moving on from your worst moment, can you share with us maybe your IT career highlight? Oh, that's a difficult one. Um, I'm gonna, I, there's a lot of possibles, but I'm going to pick on one, which I, I think um, in some ways came about as a bit of a surprise and a bit of an accident. It was at a, a company that I, you know, I wasn't working, um, I was working as an independent. I was going in there as a consultant uh, every few months. And uh, this was, uh, this seems my, my, uh, my stories tend to revolve around recession uh, periods. <laughs> um, but this was during a bit of a slowdown, and they wanted me to recommend a developer to them. Um, for work on a particular middleware project. So I couldn't think of anybody that would be suitable. Uh, but just around that time, a whole load of work for me dried up. Um, and I thought about it. And I said, well, I recommend myself because I've yeah. actually done stuff like this. Um, and that, I, I rather enjoyed that because I'd already, I already knew something about the company. I recommended myself in there. I'd, I'd got the sense of the company, the kinds of systems they were doing. And I, you know, obviously as an outsider, I had no official um, role, but in the sense that I had, I already had some of the um, at the ear of some of the teams, and particularly the people I ended up working with. It was a very small team, and um, I ended up sort of working alongside and with, and effectively establishing the architecture. Uh, of something that is still actually running to the best of my knowledge and this is nearly 15 years ago and it's gone through various versions and it's been surprisingly stable and I've visited it at a number of different points in its history um, uh, since it's a very long term client this one and 
uh, it was interesting from that point of view, just seeing how things play out over time. It was interesting at the time using a number of techniques, which this is very much in the early days of agile development. And I didn't frame them, the techniques as such, but a number of things were used. I mean, I, I was fairly aggressive about my own practices of unit testing, um, but we ended up writing our own integration testing framework to give a very thorough um, a very thorough test uh, of, uh, of this system. And um, the way that we worked was very, used some techniques uh, that were sort of, I guess, if you like, not so much the daily stand-up, but the, uh, the, uh, the daily sit-down, as it, we would always integrate socially, as it were. Yes. And I mean, that in, integrate the software socially. It was a social activity rather than an automated activity. The idea is that we would code review and discuss what was going on and actually integrate it um, in a meeting room. Everything projected, okay, what about this, what about that? Having in the morning effectively discussed what are the areas of work focused on sketching out the interfaces um, and uh, then basically meeting twice again in the day. So it was a very short cycles within the day. And uh, there are a whole load of things in that which were quite interesting from my point of view because I hadn't gone into it as a team leader, as an architect, as a process guy, as an agile guy or whatever. I, it was, um, it, 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 but I'd ended up kind of fulfilling that role. Um, and it was also quite creative at the time. I think these days there's a lot more information uh, around. And certainly I picked from... Um, the emerging Agile community and some of the ideas that I'd seen. Um, but uh, in that sense, I found it very fulfilling um, uh, on multiple fronts. And that's, you know, that's given me some very fond memories, but also the people that I work with there. Yeah. Um, what one thing excites you about the future of a career in IT? Um, that there is going to be a future in IT. I mean, that's obviously a very simple an obvious thing to, to say, but given um, given the way that uh, jobs and employment structures change over generations, um, you know, with, from one generation to the next, there are job roles that simply didn't exist uh, in the past, and uh, that that's always been true. But what we're finding is that the ones that are being defined at the moment are all based around um, the world of IT. Um, it is about, it is genuinely the information uh, and its organization and its, uh, its processing. Um, all of this is, uh, is where it's at, basically. The, the world runs on software. And um, if you were to pull the plug on that overnight, I think civilization, I think it will collapse within 72 hours, it's been estimated. Um, you know, that, that's, that's pretty much uh, where we're at. So th there is... One thing we can say is that there is a, a, a very s a solid sense of uh, many career paths there. Um, there is no such thing as you know, these. I mean, you know, even even a few years ago, people were arguing about, well, is IT just a support function in a bank or whatever? It's just like, well, no. Um, you know, most banks these days, the successful banks, are IT organizations that happen to specialize in banking. And it's been a complete, in that 10 years since people were still raising that question, I was surprised they were talking about that in sort of 2005 to 2010. A very traditional view, perhaps a more 1970s, 1980s view, but now we realize actually these are, these are IT organizations that happen to have a domain specialism. Um, uh, and you remove the IT and you basically don't have a modern company. Um, you know, unless you have a time machine, that company doesn't exist. So, so first of all, there's that kind of permanence in the sense that this stuff is expanding. Um, the other is, you know, that's a 
kind of a very sort of uh, sort of a little C conservative answer. Um, the other thing is, is it's where all the exciting stuff's happening. Um, to be honest, I mean, there's you know, there's there's not a lot else that's exciting. You've got basically that and space travel, and space travel requires software as well. So you know, again, it, it comes back to that. So uh, I think that that's where the exciting stuff is happening. It's where the change is happening, um, and uh, there's also a great deal of responsibility if you want to shape the future. There's also that, uh, but even in just the day to day, even just the relative um, comfort of uh, uh, creating ordinary websites, you're actually creating stuff that allows people to do business. You know, that's a fundamental difference uh, uh, to their lives. So whichever way you look at it, there's something here. Um, uh, so, yeah, I think that's that's I think that's a very that's the way I would look at it for sort of positively in, um, uh, in terms of fulfillment. I think that's uh, there's a lot going for it. It's actually difficult to enumerate specifically. It's interesting you mentioned the um, possibility that we may be over-reliant on technology as well. Uh, yes, I, I think that is, I think that is a, it's, it's not the, it's, it, I think it's an interesting question is, is whether there is over-reliance or a lack of awareness. And I think it's our lack of awareness. I mean, it's, we can, it's very difficult to say whether we rely on anything. Um, uh, too much or too little, you know. Civilization relies on, modern, on on agriculture, and otherwise it wouldn't have got started. But it's 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 whether or not we're aware of it, and I don't think we are aware of how much this stuff affects. I mean, I asked somebody recently, you know, uh, in the, in the, my family, a generation above me, I did actually use that as a thought experiment. What would happen if all the software in the world stopped working tomorrow? How long do you think civilization would last? Um, and uh, and they said, oh, I'm not really sure. And uh, uh, and uh, I, I said, three days. And they said, yeah, three years. That's what I thought. And I said, no, days. You know, I, I pointed out that all of the supply chains that mean that your, that your supermarket shelves are well stocked, they're all just in time. You will run out of food. There will be riots within a week. You know, they, you know within three days, you are looking at major, uh, major issues and, and, and fundamental changes to the world as we know it. So I don't think people... I don't think people are as aware. You know, three, there's a big difference between three days and three years and, and to, in terms of that person's estimation and their understanding of how the world has changed and the degree to which, uh, the degree to which we are reliant. It's, it's not the reliance, it's the lack of awareness of the reliance. I think that is potentially the issue. Yeah. I think that's a conversation or a podcast in itself. I think, I think so, yeah. <laughs> Possibly even a whole series of them. But yeah. Indeed, yes. Okay, we're going to move into the reveal round now. So what attracted you to a career in IT? Oh, I'd love to offer you something really concrete and specific and focused and motivated, but that's not really the way it happened. Um, uh, so as a teenager, I got into home, playing around with home computers, um, programming them. And, um, this is the confessional moment in BASIC and Assembler. Um, and we'll pretend I never said anything like that, but yeah, this is what I did. And I went to university to study physics, and, you know, I messed about with computers and stuff like that, but I didn't do anything serious. Um, and then I kind of ended up on the other side thinking, actually, you know, what, what am I actually going to do for a living here? Um, and I kind of fell into it. I've been pursuing various interests. I had interests in things like AI and and. Uh, and cognitive psychology and all this kind of stuff, but that's not necessarily a job or a career. So I ended up getting a job um, at a, uh, a software house, um, just a small, um, a very small company, and 
and so that you know, I could have bounced out of it just then because there were a, 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 you know, a handful of us who joined that company at the same time, and um, uh, at least half at least half bounced out and went off and did something after a year or two. Uh, there was nothing to do with IT, but uh, so it's kind of I found myself doing that because I could, and it had been a long-term interest in one sense. Um, but what? properly made me think about it was that there was a um, a library um, well a library a series of bookshelves with some classic books on them and so I used to just take these home I used to just read this stuff um, and uh, basically gave myself a fairly decent education these books were nothing to do with what we were working on at all um, but I found it absolutely fascinating I I I was unaware that there was so much to um, uh, the world of software development in terms of subcultures, technology, formalisms, um, all of this stuff. I found it very exciting. And at that point, I thought, you know what? I think I want to stick with this. And, went off, and ultimately went off and did a master's degree and, and, uh, and, and it sort of properly kind of realized this is, this is what I wanted to pursue. Um, so it was kind of a slow dawning, growing accidentally you know, through a series of uh, uh, fortunate incidents in many ways, uh, and uh, accidents and uh, uh, awareness. But there was, there was no game plan, um, and uh, there was nothing specific that attracted me to it, um, but it was a dawning realization, actually, this is fun, I quite enjoy this. This is, you know, I, I, it's, it's a good way to spend your days, or it can be a good way. I mean, there are. You know, there are, there, there's downsides as well, but I think that is true of any career. Yeah, very much so. What is the best career advice you've ever received? Ooh, specifically to do with careers, that's a difficult one. Um, uh, I, th- I think because it's actually easier to pick on um, pick on the pick on the stuff that I've been told specifically from the software development point of view. But in terms of career advice, I don't think I've ever been offered advice for a career that I would um, uh, I would say I can refer back to and has helped me in good stead uh, it's more stuff that I've, I've probably offered other people better advice through uh, making my own mistakes um, but it, there is that there is this notion I think actually a very simple uh, one it, it's actually a very modest piece of advice um, it was just um, the simple advice of what is the purpose of a CV I used to, <laughs> what is the purpose of a CV? It was actually as simple as that. It was, it's not even at all generically um, IT at all. Um, it's just what is the purpose of a CV? And, and uh, somebody once told me, uh, you know, he, he sort of he looked around, there were a group of us putting together CVs, and he said, oh, the purpose of a CV is to get you an interview. Um, it's not to get you a job. And then once you refocus that, then suddenly it becomes much more obvious what you don't want to put in it. And, and therefore, you end up with something that is much more direct, much sharper. Uh, you can think about the sequence of disclosure. If you're reading this and you want to invite somebody in for a conversation, not invite them in for a job, that's different. What, what, is, what is that? So that is actually the one thing I'd probably say goes back the furthest and has kept me, has been the most useful in terms of careers. And I think that probably applies across any career. But it is that idea of understanding when you're applying for something, um, what is the thing you're expected to do at this point? What is the purpose of a CV? When you're in an interview, what is the purpose of the interview? When you're in a second interview, what is the purpose of the second interview? You're talking to a recruiter, what is the purpose of that? That's a different conversation completely. Um, and there's all of these different ways um, into this world, and there's the less formal ones uh, through conversations and friends and being in the right place at the right time. But it's just that simple idea that 
normally there's something much smaller and simpler that you want to get across uh, when you understand what it is. And uh, the CV is not your biography. Um, and uh, your career summary gain is also not your biography. It's, uh, is somebody is asking a question about why would, you know, what makes you interesting to start talking to? Not what makes you want us to give you, give you a job. We'll find that yes. out in person. Indeed. Yeah, I think that's that, it's that simple clarity. It just throws out, it helps you throw out most of the junk because suddenly you realise that's not relevant. That's the, you're trying to get a job with a CV and that's not going to happen. I think, yeah, I don't want to go into great detail about CVs, but I think <laughs> one, one of the things that I see when I recruit people is they, that people try to fill up their CV and give you as much information as they can in the CV rather than um, give you enough to interest you and therefore the, the interview should be the process of taking it that next step further. Yeah, yeah. This is interesting. Let me click through quite literally. That's, that's, that's what you're after. Yeah. So if you were to begin your IT career again right now, what would you do? Oh, that's a, that's a big and difficult question. Um, so curiously enough, one of the things I probably wouldn't do, given that one of my, my original hobby interests was things like, <laughs> things like artificial intelligence and stuff like that, and now we're in the era where that's actually relevant. Interestingly enough, I don't think I'd start there. Um, because it's become so commoditized that the only real relevance that that has as a novel area is that if you're doing research. So curiously enough, now it's sort of come of age. It's, it's, it's sort of not where I'd go now. Um, um, but what would I do? I think I would probably um, try and seek out some specific domain. I might go, I might specifically focus on something like embedded work or I'd try and pick something that was not, that was not exactly where everything was, uh, where, where everyone uh, assumed everything was happening. So in other words, the web, web development, um, that is, uh, very current and very, uh, very now and always will be, um, because it's, it's the public face of software development. I think I probably want to go somewhere a little more technical, a little more behind the scenes. Um, and that sort of, that's a personal thing. It has a certain amount of appeal. But I might also go for open source. I mean, that's the, you know, know, I might be much more, uh, you know, although I have have involvement in the past, it it, it might be where I might try and devote more of my energy. Um, It it depends on what my current situation would be, but I think I would uh, not follow the same path. Okay. What career objectives are you focusing on right now? Um, as I work for myself, it's very difficult to say that I have any kind of simple focused objectives because I I sort of go where uh, the interest is. But at the moment, what I've been doing is I've been um, uh, sort of refocusing on doing more workshop-based work for people, scaling back a little bit on consultancy. Um, In theory, that means I'm reducing my um, travel um, in practice. In practice, I'm not entirely sure that that's uh, that's obvious. Uh, But uh, I'm, I'm trying to concentrate, trying to find what are the things I actually quite enjoy enjoy doing um, and it is getting it's, it's not simply a case of uh, uh, sort of uh, communicating knowledge so I enjoy running training courses and workshops um, uh, everybody has their own stresses on projects and their, their own delights but one of the one of the things that I have increasingly I guess increasingly become aware of is how much people already know but they don't yet know that they know in other words if you take a collective group of people who are software developers you're talking about a typically pretty bright bunch of people um, and they have focused interests and uh, it is quite possible for a group of intelligent people to act well a lot less intelligent than they are <laughs> um, uh, so there is this 
so the thing that I've been, become much more excited about, and I, I had a couple of really good examples of this last year, running workshops, where the goal of the workshop was to help people with um, emergent architecture or you know some other aspect, but I'll pick the emergent architecture one for now, and, um, to focus on that um, as if I was going to turn up and give them all the answers. And I've kind of reached an age where I'm not actually interested in giving people the answers um, because <laughs> well, that's, it's, it's for them to know. It's not for me to know. I can't know something for somebody else. Um, uh, and, and so, you know, fun as that is at one level, there's a point there that, okay, I've offered you enough, but now if we turn things around as a group, actually you do know more than you think you do. You just need to have it teased out of you. Um, yes. So many of the problems that people encounter are actually already solved. Uh, I like to play on that idea. There's a, a quote from the uh, um, science fiction author, William Gibson. Uh, it's often attributed to him that uh, the, uh, the future is already here. Uh, it's just not evenly distributed. And um, that is a really good way of looking at uh, the distribution of knowledge within um, a group of software developers. The solutions to all of your problems are probably already uh, in existence. Um, either within your group or out there somewhere, there is a solution. It's just that you need to know how to get it. You need to know how to ask the question. You need to know how to view uh, view it through the lens of um, uh, your problem and go, actually, that's 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 my problem. Um, and uh, there is a solution, or there is at least something I can experiment with that I can learn from. Whether it is a team structuring thing, whether it is a programming practice, whether it is an architecture, um, it's that's the thing that kind of I've I've become a little more excited about uh, sort of realizing actually people do know this stuff they just don't know they know it um, yes. so that I think for me is that I, I, it, you know, there are other more technical answers that I could focus on and you know uh, it, it sort of you know other things I'm focusing on is I, I'm very interested in what's happening in a general sense in terms of software architecture I'm also very interested in the sense that we may be creating systems that we no longer understand and that may one day turn out to be a good thing um, and I'm also um, uh, you know very interested in uh, programming paradigms as a whole but I think if I had to pick on one thing it's that idea that I'm probably in a better position to help people realize that they already know something. You know, all I have to do is give them half the... I give them my half, and then they can figure out the rest. It turns out most people do that. Um, yes. What's the number one non-technical skill that has helped you in your career to date? I'm going to say that it's going to be... Following on from what I've just said, I think it's going to be something like um, speaking or mm -hmm. teaching. Um, so the idea, speaking, for some people that's just like, that'll strike, the, strike a deep-rooted fear into them, and I appreciate that it's not for everybody, but certainly the idea of teaching or mentoring, um, either one-on-one -on -one or to a class, um, I think that has been, I have learned so much from doing that. Um, I thought I knew what I was doing, and then I started teaching people, and I suddenly realized that the very act of articulating certain ideas either makes you see how stupid they are or how limited they are, or it makes you realize that they're actually good ideas for, for different reasons, deeper reasons. And you suddenly realize in the act of communicating, you're having to reorganize your knowledge. You're having to know what you know better. Um, and then somebody else may say something. They may ask a question, and it's a case of, well, now that takes you off down a different road. 
so it's it's almost like interactive knowledge, um, if you like. But that, it's that very idea of having to take something out of your mind and put it into a a verbal space or a hand waving or a whiteboard uh, space or a demo space, something that you're doing that's a little bit different to. I am writing the code, uh, or I am in a meeting talking about the code. It, it, it's actually the, the bit outside. It's that um, desire to sort of either communicate or see what somebody else is communicating, realizing that there's actually something else going on. It's not just a you're not just doing a brain dump, a drag and drop from your brain into somebody else's brain when you explain something. You're actually changing the way you think about it. Um, and I, I that that's a realization that I, I I think when when the penny dropped for me on that was just like, ah yeah this is actually thinking differently by explaining it uh, yes can you share a parting piece of career advice with the IT career energizer audience I'm going to say most of what I've just most of what I've just said in the sense of uh, the truth is out there if you like you know we already know this stuff yeah. Um, I've, and and the fact that it, almost almost anything that you do and anything that you learn turns out to be useful, uh, not directly, so which which is sometimes difficult sometimes for people to see. They normally there's a there's sort of a uh, sometimes you want to just pick up the knowledge directly, um, how to use a tool and just run with it. But it's more the indirect sense of what you're learning. It's a bigger picture um, that most things that you learn are indeed useful. Um, and so uh, from a, a bigger picture point of view, it will all turn out useful, even, even the stuff that you don't think is useful or even the stuff that frustrates you. Um, it does turn out to be useful when you, take, uh, when you look at it, uh, look back at it uh, from the future. Um, so to sort of take heart from that, I think, is, is the most uh, uh, useful piece of advice I could offer. So finally, can you tell us the best way that we can find out more about you and perhaps contact you? Probably the easiest way is I'm fairly active on Twitter, um, and I, you know, that's uh, Twitter is the easiest way to get any conversation started, um, and uh, uh, and I'm normally present there, um, so I'm fairly easy to find on Twitter at um, Kevlin Henny. Um, so that's I'd, I'd say I, I'd probably look at that more than I look at most things. Kevin, thanks so much for joining me on the IT Career Energizer podcast today. It's been great talking to you. Thank you very much, Phil. Well, I really hope you enjoyed this week's chat with Kevin Henney. Full show notes can be found on the website at itcareerenergizer.com slash e15. And while you're at the website, you can download my 11 top career tips for IT professionals, which you can access through the homepage. In next week's episode, I'll be talking with Corey Lebson, who is a user experience consultant and author of the book, The UX Careers Handbook. If you haven't done so already, please remember to subscribe in iTunes or Stitcher to get future episodes automatically downloaded to your device. And if you're enjoying the podcast, I'd really appreciate you leaving a rating and review in iTunes or Stitcher about the show. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to the IT Career Energizer podcast. To find out more about building a successful career in IT, visit itcareerenergizer.com.